You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. As I said during Mass, my name is Monsignor Schumacher. It's great to be with you. It's a great day. I hope your day is starting out well. If it isn't, I hope it, uh, that it gets better. Remember St. Bernardine of Siena, the patron saint of advertisers and advertising. And he is invoked for hoarseness. If you have a problem with your throat, I almost did during Mass. It's an interesting, I don't know why, maybe that's a good, maybe that's a good research for our students today listening. Again, it's great to have you. We are broadcasting live from the Rectory of St. Wenceslaus in Dickinson, North Dakota. We're, we're broadcasting live throughout the Upper Midwest. We appreciate all of our listeners. We appreciate all of our supporters. And I said at Mass, we're going to have at the top of the second hour what I call a verified success story, kind of an empty tomb type deal of the resurrection that something dramatically has happened in the ministry of Real Presence Radio, somebody whose lives were changed through the ministry of this, of this radio station. So it's great to be with you. I, I'm here in my rectory. I'm looking at a shredder. I'm getting ready to be transferred to Corpus Christi Parish in Bismarck, North Dakota next month. I got, I'm going through files. It, it looks almost illegal in here. Nick, good morning. Good morning, Monsignor. When, whenever you look, that, that's about a, that shredder is about Four and a half feet tall? Four feet tall? Yeah, it looks like a science experiment of some <laughs> sort. <laughs> I'm going through files, and uh, you're going to help me move. Nick yep. Vetter is a seminarian for the Diocese of Bismarck. Fine young man. He moved in with me on Holy Thursday. He was studying in Rome. I'm going to let him tell uh, his story to you. Remember, we're not, we're not telling you these vocation stories to persuade anybody that you have a vocation to the priesthood. Only God can call. We convey these vocation stories to perhaps cultivate a response in a man who may think he's called to, to be a priest. I, I mean, Senior Walsh wrote a book called God Still Calls, and the vocation stories are, are all different, but they're, they're all the same. And uh, remember, uh, Nick's story is, is proof that God still calls. And we, we do this uh, because, first of all, Nick Vetter is a, a, a fine young man and he's got a good story to tell. But the, the first indication that I had that I might be called to be a priest is that I started to think about it. You know, sometimes we complicate things. And, and Nick Vetter has a great story. We, we sat out Last night, it was a beautiful evening here. In fact, I smoked a cigar. I think maybe that's why I had a hoarse voice. And, and <laughs> it's, it's just good. It's, it's good to visit with these young men, and I learned from them. Father Dosh, Nick Vetter, and I just sat out a beautiful... We're starting to enjoy these beautiful uh, spring nights in the upper Midwest. But let's get to you. Nick Vetter, good morning to you. Good morning, Monsignor. Tell us about yourself. Okay. First, I would just like to uh, thank the Real Presence radio listeners. Uh, I've listened many times, especially working on the farm, the, loud, the long uh, hours listening to the radio. So it's good to be on. Um, I'm actually originally from Torrington, Wyoming. I was born and raised in Torrington, Wyoming. Uh, 
the child of Leland and Marianne Vetter. Mary, my mom, Marianne, is actually originally from Minokin, North Dakota. She's the oldest daughter of the Richter family, and my dad is the oldest boy of the Vetter family. So, uh, as some of you know, that means I have three uncles uh, who are Roman Catholic priests uh, for the Diocese of Bismarck. Uh, one former, uh, formerly of the Diocese of Bismarck, now Bishop of Helena, Montana. So Bishop Austin uh, Vetter, Monsignor Thomas Richter, uh, pastor of Queen of Peace Catholic Church in Dickinson, North Dakota, and Father David Richter, pastor of St. John the Apostle uh, in Minot. It's, uh, it's a great blessing for me to have them as three uncles. So I was born and raised in Torrington, Wyoming, one of ten children. Um, I'm the sixth of ten, and it was uh, a good place to grow up. My dad was a welding instructor at the little community mm-hmm. college. Leland. Yes, Leland Vetter. And we, um, where the faith really took off, where my vocation really started to make sense, was every summer we would go to North Dakota for two months, uh, and then two weeks in Christmas. And the, the great gift of that is uh, encountering the faith of the Diocese of Bismarck, the, the great people. Uh, who are in the Diocese of Bismarck, but also my three uncles. And so every Christmas, I remember lining up with my brothers, maybe some other cousins, um, and my uncles uh, addressing us, interrogating us, and asking, which one of you are going to be a priest? And as good little boys, we all lied, and we said, no, not not me. <laughs> and that was already as a young boy, I remember... Uh, being attracted to the priesthood. And very simply put, at the end of the day, um, I witnessed three priests who were happy and joyful, uh, and they were normal. They were normal men. And that's really all it comes down to. That Normalcy uh, helps. I could be happy uh, in this life uh, with them. Uh, so I joined the Diocese of Bismarck um, and uh, what December, December of 2013, a semester after uh, graduating high school, and I went out to Washington D.C. to the Catholic University of America with now Father Gregory Crane was out there, um, and I was then joined by Jacob Magnuson, Grant Dvorak, uh, many of the men who are still in, um, and Isaiah Jillick. Uh, parishioner here at St. Wenceslaus is actually out there right now. Uh, so it's a great joy to uh, know what he's going through there. Uh, after graduating with my philosophy degree, my bachelor's in philosophy, I was sent to the Pontifical North American College by our good bishop, Bishop Kagan. Uh, and that was already three years ago. Amazingly, uh, three years ago. Uh, and it was a great joy for me to be with my uncle, Father Austin Vetter, who was head of spiritual formation at the North American College uh, before he was named Bishop. Uh, And it was a great joy to be with him. And then uh, this last year, being joined by my brother, Stephen Vetter, who is also a seminarian for the Diocese of Bismarck. So he has just finished his first so there, the, year of theology what, as well. what he's saying, there, you know, there comes a point where God's grace just begins to snowball. Yeah. And that's happened here in the Diocese of Bismarck. How many seminarians do we have? 
I believe we're at uh, 22 about. We, right we, have, we have about 22 seminarians for a, a relatively small uh, uh, Catholic population. Uh, they influence each other. They support each other. Again, this is Monsignor Schumacher. This is Real Presence Live. And it's, we're coming up on 46 minutes past the hour. I'm visiting with Nick Vetter about his story. So uh, tell us now, take this step um, about your discernment process and, and how tragedy prayer and your specific many visits with priests uh, led you to discern the priesthood. Yeah, so during this time of uh, COVID, I think it's uh, rather providential uh, a somewhat tragic time, I think, for people. Uh, for many of you, maybe, you might be experiencing uh, this sense of tragedy, not being able to be with others, uh, the feeling of being alone. And for me, uh, I, I remember two specific instances, these uh, times of tragedy. Um, All Saints Day, my great-aunt and uncle, who I worked for, Pat and Madonna Silvernagel, were in a car accident. Uh, both of them passed away shortly thereafter. Um, and my cousin, Robert Vetter, was uh, my age. He got in a motorcycle accident in 2008, September of 2008. His mother uh, is my godmother, and we hung out together every summer. Uh, so it was a great loss <coughs> of these three people. And yet what I remember uh, at the funerals, very clearly coming up from Wyoming with my parents, was uh, what the priest was doing and um, the feeling of tragedy in my own heart, of grieving. And yet it was not a moment of uh, great loneliness. It was a, it was a lo moment of grief, but I experienced God in my heart that he does not leave us alone. And in these moments of great trial, uh, of great emptiness that in fact God was there um, and it was actually to see the witness of the priests uh, Father Gary Benz was the pastor in Linton at that time uh, Father Austin uh, Vetter then did the funeral of my cousin and to see them uh, at work um, was so a great comfort th there these tragedies um, unimaginable you 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 described it as great loss in your life. Isn't it somehow losses and tragedies make some people bitter? But you're describing how like through your witness of priests and the ministry of the church and God's spirit through it all, these tragedies you could say certainly made you better more than bitter. Yeah. You didn't blame God. You didn't leave. You actually drew closer to where you may now be, God willing, that, that priest figure that inspired you. Yes. Uh, as you mentioned in the homily today, uh, St. Paul, Paul boasted of his weakness, and uh, that's really what a time of grieving is. A great weakness, a loss, a place we can't control, uh, and we have to let God into that, into that place to enliven our hearts, to touch us with his love, uh, and his presence, because he's always with us in the sacraments, uh, through the church, uh, through the other good people of God. Um, and so, yes, uh, tragedy can be a great place uh, to encounter God, even though it's uh, often the hardest place. It's also 
a very fruitful place. What would you say to men listening right now that, that uh, again, we're not, per, we're, we're not here to persuade anybody. We're, we're here to cultivate a, a, a heart of response. Uh, I, a big step for me was that when I started to think about being a priest, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't crazy. You know, maybe it's something to think about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then a, a priest said, well, before you become a priest, doesn't it make sense that God would have you at least think about it? I thought, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. You know, your dad is a professional welder. At some point in his life, he thought about being a welder. Yep, I mean, of course. You, uh, to, to, to be that. What would you say to, to men that are listening to you right now, thinking that, you know, there's no way, where do I go? Yeah, here's another question. Where do they go? Let's start there. If a, if, a man, if a man is thinking of being a priest right now in our listening audience, whom does he call? Uh, first, I mean, your first point of contact is obviously with your good pastors. My pastors were always a big impact for me. But then to call your vocation director. I think every diocese has these posters all over their churches. Um, to simply call the vocation director, the man the bishop has put in charge uh, to be your father. In seminary to guide you through it and um, your pastor will be an important uh, element as well because there are different charisms of the priesthood yes there are different charisms of the religious life so not just diocesan priesthood but there is what we call the religious priesthood not that a diocesan priest isn't religious but in, in a sense that they they live in an abbey uh, they uh, are are directed and uh, inspired by an abbot whereby we live in a diocese and we are directed and inspired by a bishop. So there are different charisms of the priesthood. Your pastor will also help you to begin to discern that. I, I certainly am not called to, to be a Benedictine priest or a Jesuit priest. Same here. Or a Franciscan <laughs> priest. I love the diocesan priesthood. Uh, and and the, it's the charism I'm called to. When, when, I, when we go to uh, Blue, uh, well, I, I did a lot in Blue Cloud Abbey before it closed. But our Assumption Abbey here in Richerton, uh, you know, I know that they're called to do that. Uh, they, they would want pretty much no part of my life. And I really love going to the Abbey. But I love leaving. It's, yeah. not, it's not my charism. Uh, so that, that is where they start. And what else? So my simple piece of advice uh, is, do you think you could be happy in that life? The life of the diocesan priest. That's really what it came down to for me. That God wanted to make me happy through a vocation to the priesthood. And then discernment, uh, let's not forget, never happens in a vacuum. It's not just in your head, uh, sitting by yourself, away from people, thinking God is just going to clarify things for you. But it happens in the parish, through the people of uh, the parish speaking to you, uh, saying that you might be a good uh, a priest. Different priests speaking to you, uh, hinting to you. And then at some point, um, as we know, virtue is built through action. That one can't grow in virtue unless one acts. And that act, that step, is joining seminary. Because the only way to discern is to discern in the heart of the church. Uh, as Monsignor Shea has put it in his uh, book, uh, for discerning within the church. That you have to discern within the church. And that is with the bishop, with the vocation director, with the seminary. 
um, and that's the objective voice to you. Uh, and it's not just a subjective thing, but God will affirm you and your vocation through objective means in the church. The church helps you discern and discern yes. for you, absolutely. And that distinction you made, if I can back up just to one, once again, you asked, would I be happy? You know, when I was thinking about being a priest, um, a priest told me that whatever I choose to do, God will love me just the same. But what will make you happy? And I think that we're, we're called to the vocation that makes us happy. Yep. If we were not, God would be cruel. And, and I think we, we all need to be happy in the work that we do. And, and I tell people, you know, when I, I had over 50 employees at one parish and, and I work with a lot of employees, I, I said, one of the most miserable things I can imagine is getting up in the morning and waiting until 5 p.m., waiting until your work is done. Yeah. One of, one of the most miserable things I can imagine is one-third of your life, which, which is work, we, you know, Sometimes it gets to be a half, but whatever is, is miserable. You know, work is work. I know yep. that, but but we sh we need to enjoy what we do, because yeah. li life is too short and it's passing quicker than than we can ever imagine. If anybody's in that situation, I know God will give them the grace to to direct them. It takes a lot of trust, but but um, I I always strive to to instill in my staff the the joy of their work and what brings joy in our work. The satisfaction that, that we're doing something yeah. constructive. And, and I, I think that's also been a, a downfall of our country in, in this pandemic is, is pe people aren't working. And, you know, a sense of, of, of who we are really lives through the vocations God has given us. And we got to get back to that yeah. as we get America back 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 to work. Uh, Nick Vetter is a seminarian. He, he's here in the house. He's in the rectory here. He uh, moved in on, on Holy Thursday. He uh, was uh, evacuated. That yeah. sounds dramatic, but he no. was evacuated from Rome. Uh, all the seminarians left. And they didn't, you know, pull you out on a helicopter from a, a rooftop, but, but, they, but they were brought back. He's with me. He's a good guy, and we're we're going to talk to him again throughout the show. By the way, uh, I want to say I want I, I hope to be at Vetterville on July third. My folks and I hope to be down there. And uh, it's always good to have you. And I got a gift for Leland Vetter, and you saw it. And yep. uh, as the fourth, as as we near the fourth of July, so so Nick, you you are uh, a fine young man. Uh, I think I said at our elementary school graduation the, the other day, I mean, you empty the dishwasher, you take out the garbage, I don't even have to say anything. You, you're, you're, you're raised well. And, and, and I think the parents have such an important role in vocations as well. T talk about that. Yeah, so my parents, <clears throat> they moved down to Wyoming years ago. They have now uh, recently moved back to Linton. Um, yeah, and it's in your family uh, where your vocation is often uh, nourished. And as my dad would always famously say to us, uh, and I think it's so true, if you don't want a Catholic priest in your family, it's quite simple. You just have to talk bad about priests. Mm -hmm. If you don't want a welder in your family, talk bad about welding. If you want a doctor, if you want a priest, you talk good about that uh, vocation, that profession. Uh, and that's what my parents taught me. They never spoke uh, badly uh, about my parish priest um, and there's uh, struggles everywhere but they never uh, they always held them up they always uh, made sure uh, in a sense my three priest uncles were kind of always at the center of attention um, so uh, yeah my parents 
they've always been around the priesthood uh, through their own parents, uh, August and Loretta Vetter, uh, Mary and Victor Richter, that um, they've always uh, been in love with the priest, vocations uh, in our family. Um, and so I, I, I can't uh, say enough about my parents, uh, and I'm grateful for all they've given me, uh, the natural virtues, but also uh, their faith and their love. You know, you can say what you want about the Vetters and Richters, and we all, we all know families like yours, yeah. but they're doing something right. Uh, uh, there's uh, not, just, not just the vocations that are coming. I'm, I'm talking about how they stay Catholic, yeah. how they love the church, um, uh, how, how they are involved with the church. I mean, you know, like I had a, uh, you know, Josh Vetter moved move to Dickinson. Uh, it's Greg Vetter's son. Yep. You know, all, the, the, the kid isn't even, you know, registered yet, and, he, and he's, he's ushering for me. I mean, it's yeah. just, the, the, there, there's something going right there, and I, I summarize it as these, these families and so many like yours instill in their kids a love for the church. And you're yeah. exactly right. If you complain about a priest, why in the world would your kid want to be one? Yeah, it's pretty simple. Uh, and, and by the way, we all need welders. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> We're coming up on 59 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. My name is Monsignor Schumacher. We've got the rest of the show planned for you. We only have an hour to go because we, we began with the Holy Mass, and it's my honor to do that. And I want to thank those who are listening right now, and I want to thank those who, who watched our, our live stream of the Mass today. And I love to, to preach about uh, how Paul... Uh, changed his tactic in preaching from Athens to, to, to Corinth and how we need to accept change in our life as well. I'm going to talk about that a little later as well. Mike Kudrowski is our producer. He's beside, he's beside us all the time. Uh, Michael, good morning to you, and I want to thank you for uh, all the work that you're doing. And Marie Claire has brought in some coffee and some rolls. We're going to uh, eat them, and we'll be back with you in just one moment. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> 